There's a term used to describe one aspect of emotionally abusive behavior called isolation. An emotionally abusive person will isolate a person from their friends and family slowly over time so that the abuser becomes the center of the other person's life. Not only that, the abuser then becomes the only influence in their life. And this causes all kinds of issues. Healed Being is a powerful, life-changing program that gives the person doing the controlling or manipulative behavior not only the best chance at saving a crumbling relationship, but also healing themselves from the inside out. HealedBeing.com Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you learn the skills you need to deal with life's challenges using emotional intelligence and critical thinking without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. Please. Glad you were here. Thanks for showing up. I am happy to be here as your host of The Overwhelmed Brain for the last nine years. And I will hopefully continue that for another nine or 10 or longer. I told my girlfriend that I hope to be doing my last episode on my deathbed way, way in the future, way in the future. (laughs) It's a morbid thought, but um, I don't even know why I shared that with you. But I think it's because I want to let you know that I'm, I'm doing my best to show up every day to be there for your listening pleasure or displeasure. Some people don't like me. <laughs> Be there for your um, the times during your commute or during your sleep. Some people use me to fall asleep. <laughs> so I am glad to be in your life in any capacity. And I appreciate you showing up in mine. Thank you so much for, for doing that, for listening. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I experienced a few weeks ago, and I was thinking about it, talking with my girlfriend about it, and I thought this is this would be a great uh, subject. This would be a great subject for a future episode of this show, and that is, um, I don't know how to say this, why people can be so boring, <laughs> why some people, I should say, re- reword it, some people can be very difficult to have a conversation with because you just have zero interest in what they're saying. Now, there's a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons why that can happen. You might have political differences. You might have values differences. You might see things uh, philosophically different. And so you really have nothing to connect with another person about with. And when that's the case, there's not much you can do, or maybe you can learn about each other's differences and see if you can at least have a conversation on that. But some people some people you you may not be able to connect with. And so um, I, I met this guy after a gathering. We A bunch of us were gathering. And this one guy that was telling stories. I was sitting there and he moved over and just started talking to me. Hey, how you doing? And we got some small talk, but not much because he just started telling stories about his life. 
I don't mind stories, but he just went into stories and told me what excited him, told me what uh, made him feel not so good, but most of it was about uh, highlights from his life and stories that he thought were just, I don't know, mind-blowing, exciting, fun, and he really thought that's what I wanted to talk about. And so I really try to be open with everyone I meet. I, I want to be compassionate, empathizing, and or empathetic. And I want to connect with them. I want to connect with you. If, if you're sitting next to me, I want to connect with you. And I didn't feel a connection with this person at all. I didn't feel any connection. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to observe his communication. I'm going to observe my own reactions and I'm, I've, I just sat there observing. So it was sort of an experiment for me because it was an opportunity because I found myself bored. I found myself being, um, I'm trying to do this nicely. I'm trying to say it a nice way because this person was very nice. He was a kind person, but I just sat there hoping and wishing it would end. Why, do, why is this person still talking to me and uh, what's going on? So I went home and talked about it with my girlfriend and she said, oh yeah, I've had people like that. And we went back and forth and I finally came to the conclusion that A, first of all, I mean, we talked about this together. I said, A, first of all, he developed no rapport with me, none. He, he just started talking and started telling stories. And so I barely knew him. He, you know, we met very briefly in the past, but I barely knew him. And he just started telling stories and no rapport means he didn't really, uh, make enough, I don't know, small talk. He didn't make enough small talk. I'm not talking about how's the weather. I'm talking about, Hey, you know, my name's Joe. Oh, Hey Joe, my name's Paul. How's it going? What do you do? You know, things like that. There was nothing like that there. There was no, um, opening of the door so I could walk through it. He just opened the door and pulled me in. And so I felt pulled in to his world and I felt like I now am a, uh, his captured audience. So no rapport building, no invitation to talk. No, and I don't mean he, he didn't have to say, Hey, do you want to talk? I meant he opened the door and pulled me in. He didn't open the door and say, Hey, my name is Joe. That's not his name, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just saying a, a typical scenario is to make some sort of small talk to break the ice. And sometimes that small talk, I've talked about this before, but sometimes that small talk might be, um, I'm sitting here and I'm not even sure what to do in this room because I don't really know anyone. So I'm just kind of making small talk. <laughs> that could be your small talk. And then you'd probably both chuckle and have a good time. Uh, I actually tell people with anxiety to do that. They go to someone else and they say, you know, I'm usually very anxious at these things, so I don't like to talk to many people. And that would be the breaking the ice part. You actually tell someone that you're anxious. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I see you here and you're not talking to anyone and I'm usually anxious at these things, so I don't like to talk to anyone. And I saw you and I'm not saying that you're alone or anything, but I, you know, I just feel like I wanted to share this with you because I feel awkward, <laughs> you know, something like that. That's probably not the best way to do it, but you, you know what I mean? You, you actually reveal what's going on inside of you. Uh, so it doesn't hold you back. doesn't hinder you. 
in your communication. This is something that I think you can do in a lot of cases. Like, oh, we're all just sitting around, not doing anything, so I just figured I'd just come over and say hi. Oh, well, how you doing? <laughs> just get that out of the way. So anyway, I'm, I'm coming back to what I was talking about. So he just started talking, pulled me in, and uh, one, he didn't develop rapport. And two, and I think this is the most important, is that he didn't ask me any questions. He just talked. He didn't ask me a single question. And my girlfriend and I were talking and I said, this sounds like someone who's so self-absorbed that it didn't matter what I felt or what I thought. It's almost as if he talked to me to gain uh, likability. Again, he was likable, very likable. There was, there was nothing offensive about him. But I wasn't interacting because he wasn't interactive. I wasn't connecting because he didn't seem to want to connect. And this could be a coping mechanism. I mean, it sometimes is. Sometimes people are in denial with, with what's going on in their life. So they talk and talk and talk about themselves and or they talk about other people. And they just tell you all kinds of stuff. They just tell you stories. But they're not interested in interacting because if you interact and they ask questions, they might hear those questions coming back at them, which means they might have to reveal something that might be a little hard to talk about. So they don't want to talk about that. So they keep talking and talking. Maybe some people feel that way about me. <laughs> I don't know, but this can happen. This can happen. This could be a coping mechanism for some people is that they use their uh, storytelling and nonstop. They don't, they don't take a breath. They don't ask questions. They just share. They just share and share and share. And that can be a way to avoid having to deal with internal stuff. Now, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze. I'm not trying to do an armchair analysis of, of this guy. I was just bored, like I said. In fact, I was armchair analyzing myself because I wanted to know why I was bored. I wanted to know why I couldn't engage with this person. And so these are the thoughts I came up with. No rapport. And he didn't ask questions. He just shared stuff about his life that he had no idea if I was interested in. In fact, he said something that I was interested in and I started to lean in that direction. I started to maybe sort of interrupt him and say, oh, tell me more about, or I said something like, oh, I did that once. And then he just shared something else, some story, and then moved on to the next story. And so we couldn't even engage in something that I was interested in. So that uh, contributed to my boredom. And that's not just so mean. I, I don't mean to sound mean. I don't mean to sound like I walk around and people bore me. That's not it at all. I just like interacting. I like connecting with people. And so I, I realize that rapport is one of those things that when you can't connect with somebody it's because you really don't have much rapport to, to begin with. And it may not be that at all. You might have good rapport and still can't connect with them. But number two is when they're not interested in you. They're just talking. They're not asking questions. Not interested in you. So my girlfriend says, "Well, you know, some people ask questions, and they're still not um, interesting. <laughs> they ask you questions, and you may not want to engage. You may not want to engage somebody that's asking you questions because you're still not interested in them. And that could be a number of things. Like where I was, I was watching somebody on stage or something like that." And I might have been more interested in the person on stage than the person talking to me. But in that instance, I knew it was the person talking to me that 
was the issue. But, you know, that can be one of the things that happens is that there's something else going on and you want to pay attention to that. Maybe you paid for a show and you want to watch that show. Maybe you're in a room for a certain reason to, to talk with somebody else, but this other person is dominating the conversation. And that's another thing. That's like number three. Some people will dominate the conversation. That's usually because they're telling stories, because they're self-absorbed. And again, nothing against you or anyone else that does this. My mom does this, and she's my favorite person in the world. Maybe parallel to my girlfriend, but she's definitely up there. And uh, I love her to death. And she is a wonderful, giving, supportive, generous, kind person. And she will tell stories like this. But she also interacts. She also knows how to build rapport. She's also very interested in what's going on in your life. She will, I watch her go yard selling sometimes, and I'll be with her, and she will walk up to people, and she will just develop immediate rapport. I mean, something simple, and this isn't exactly what she does, but, you know, she'll see somebody wearing a baseball cap. Oh, my God, Chicago Bulls. <laughs> you know, she'll immediately get uh, their, their their attention, and they like her right away. Plus, she has a good personality, so that helps too. But I, I like watching her interact with people because even though she can be, you know, this is probably where I get it, I see her in denial about uh, some of the trauma in her past, some of the trauma in her marriage. You know, she was in an abusive marriage for 40 years with my stepfather. And uh, she doesn't want to talk about it too much, but she has been healing from that for many years now. They've been separated or divorced. And um, I have watched her over the years uh, shift from being in denial, telling stories, just talking and talking and talking. She used to put me to sleep. <laughs> she used to talk so long. But uh, as I grew and she grew and we changed our communication, she changed how she shared. It um, changed our, our, our dynamic, our relationship. And uh, has gotten better and better and better because she has been willing to be more open and more willing to talk about things. She's become more authentic, quite frankly. She has been willing to share who she is. And um, that might have started when I, I stopped asking her to leave like the relationship. I, I stopped asking her, you know, telling her actually to say, you know, you need to leave. You should leave this relationship because he's abusive. He is hurtful. And you're, you're clearly unhappy. You tell me how much you hate him. You should leave. That used to be what I'd say. And then I stopped. I stopped saying it. And as soon as I stopped saying it, she started opening up. Because you don't want to put people on the defense. I mean, she probably knew that would be a great idea, but she was scared. And to be pushed in a direction that makes you afraid, uh, you probably don't want to talk about it. So she was afraid and she didn't want to talk about it. She just stayed out of that arena when we communicated. And I stopped. And it was a good idea for me to stop because I'm not supposed to be fixing or rescuing people. That's a codependent thing that some people do and I used to do. I just decided that I was going to be there to support her. I'm here if you need me. If you need me, I am right here. If you need to move overnight, I'm going to pack my bags and come up. I'm a thousand miles away. I'm still going to do it. No matter what. Whenever you're ready. And then I dropped it. She knew I would be there. 
and eventually their relationship ended and I wasn't needed. You know, other people stepped in and that was good and it all worked out. But our communication, our connection, our relationship improved. I, I think this timeline works. As soon as I stopped telling her what to do with her life, that was very helpful. So, um, you know, a rapport, <laughs> asking questions, uh, and then uh, common interest and things like that and other things going on that you really wanted to pay attention to. Other people that you wanted to see that were in the room or at the event that you were at or what have you. And then there are just people that rub you the wrong way. I've had that before, even though they were interesting. I worked for a guy once that knew a lot and I really wanted him to tell me what he knew so I could learn too. It was about technology and stuff. But he just rubbed me the wrong way. His personality, the way he showed up. And he was nice to me, but he didn't seem like a very kind person. He, he just seemed aggressive in some ways and just rubbed me the wrong way. Now, I could analyze that. I could figure out what rubbed me the wrong way. But sometimes it's best just to say, you know what? That guy rubs me the wrong way or that person. And I don't really want to deal with him. I don't really want to uh, have to interact with that person anymore. And you should be okay doing that. You should be able to give yourself permission to do that. That person rubs, rubs me the wrong way. Why? Why do they rub you the wrong way? They're the nicest person in the world. Well, they rub me the wrong way. Well, what I've learned is uh, more times than not, your subconscious is telling you something. Your subconscious is saying, I don't like this particular thing about this person. And your subconscious doesn't really tell you what that is, but it's giving you the nudge. That can happen. And then there are times where that person reminds you of something or somebody you don't like. And now you don't like the person for seemingly no reason. But it's still okay. You don't have to like everyone. I don't. <laughs> I don't like everyone. I like most people. Oh, is that true? Uh, I like the people that are willing to connect at least a, a somewhat deeper level than how's the weather. I like them to be able to show some interest in me. That's like number four or five. I want them to show interest in me. Maybe that's my ego. Maybe I need that to uh, feed my self-worth and self-esteem. But it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice that instead of telling me all your stories, telling me all the stuff that you've done, and um, you keep talking and talking, not taking a breath and not coming back at me and saying, have you ever done anything like that? Never once in this conversation I'm talking about, never once did that happen. Have you ever done anything like that? Oh my God, I love doing that stuff. H how about you? Did you ever do that? Uh, and I might say, well, oh no, I've never done that. And I might be the boring one. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm also saying that I could be the boring one. You know, I'm on a podcast right now. I can't interact. I'm doing my best, <laughs> but I can't interact. So I'm here to share. But I, I promise in person, I do try to interact. I ask questions. I share. It's sort of like when I went on to or when I go on to other podcasts and I'm a guest. I've had to learn how to be a guest. I've had to learn how to interact appropriately and not go into story mode. It, it can be a skill that you have to develop in yourself. 
and this is how I did it. I, I imagined myself listening to uh, my my show or somebody else's show with me on it. I imagine myself listening to a show that I'm a guest on and I imagine when does this guy stop talking? <laughs> I, I said that to myself or I asked, when does this guy stop talking? Okay, I got the point. Uh, what else do you have to say? These are the things I asked myself while imagining and then actually listening to myself as a guest on a podcast. One of the first podcasts I was a guest on, I apologized to the host. I said, I said, I'm sorry. I talked so much. I, I really talked a lot and I feel like that was a bad representation. And he said, what are you kidding me? That was so much good content. That was really good for the audience. And I said, well, I just heard myself talking and, and so I, I had to get over some self-esteem issues with that. And it's been a while. It's been since like eight years since I did that particular episode on that particular show, but it has helped me understand that I had to practice being a guest. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because when you're talking to somebody else, it's almost like being a guest on a podcast, except we have to reel it in a lot more. When you're a guest on a podcast, you have something to present. You have knowledge you want to share or you think would be valuable to the people listening for that person's show. And so I think we approach a lot of conversations or we should maybe approach a lot of conversations with people like this, like what knowledge can I bring or what can I share with this person? Not that we have to show up as the expert, but uh, just sharing something that would be of interest to that person. Now, again, this is, uh, I can go back and forth with this one. I can say that we can try to connect with them with something that might interest them. But it doesn't mean we have to repress ourselves with them. But this involves questions. This involves asking the other person what is interesting to them and hopefully them asking you what is interesting to you. And not that particular wording, but just saying, hey, I went to this show and I saw this show and it was a great show and these actors were in this show and I loved it. Have you seen this show? <laughs> so that could be the start of a conversation. And they may say no. They may say no, I haven't seen that show. And um, what do you say from there? Do you then go on to how great the show was for you? Do you say, oh my God, the show was amazing. You should go see it. You could. Or do you say or ask, what kind of shows do you like? Yeah, this is just kind of an icebreaker again. But the point is, I'm showing interest and they're showing interest. And they want to know what is interesting to you, just like I want to know what is interesting to them. And so that can help break the ice and bring it forward and make the conversation and the people in the conversation not so bored. I mean, I know some of this is common knowledge, but some of it isn't. Some of it, you may not realize why you're bored in a conversation. And so this is, the stuff I think about, the stuff that pops into my head, because I want to know. Hopefully you do too. And hopefully you'll keep listening because I have to take a quick break and come right back right after this. We're going to get into this a little bit more, talking about rapport and having these kind of conversations. We'll be right back and I'll get into that right after this.
All right, I'm going to open up ZocDoc on my phone, and I'm going to hit the Dermatologist button, because I think I'm going to get some skin care for my skin, <laughs> and uh, have it checked out, and what do you know? There it is, a whole list of dermatologists right near me, sorted by ratings or distance. They are all here. I can view their availability. I can choose a time and day on the calendar. And the whole thing is practically automated. It's just right there, easy to use. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. I don't know about you, but I am not a big fan of calling the doctor's office and working through their schedule. I'd rather do this online, and this app makes it easy. Just give me the available dates and times, and I'll choose them myself, and no hassle. If you're looking for an easier way to book appointments with doctors who are patient-reviewed, go to ZocDoc.com forward slash brain. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com forward slash brain. Download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. ZocDoc.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. I started to talk about um, pulling out of a conversation, pulling back. I mean, mentally or emotionally. I want to know this stuff. I want to know what causes us to pull back out of a conversation. What causes us to pull out of a conversation and just hope it ends soon? And there are a lot of factors, but I'm focusing on the factors that I experienced because I know a lot of us do this and some of us experience the uh, storytellers. And the storytellers, I mean, they're great if they're on stage. <laughs> they're great if they uh, are telling a story of something that we can relate to, of something that we dig, something that we enjoy. Like, uh, oh, I love that actor that I saw. That actor? I met that actor. You did? Yeah, I totally met that actor. What a jerk. What? Really? Now you're interested. More like gossip, but now you're interested. So, I mean, maybe you're not, but that's that would interest me. Like, no way, you met that actor? Tell me about that actor. And so that would be a conversation that would be interesting. But then, coming back to the conversation I had, that wasn't the case. He wasn't asking me any questions. He just wanted to fill time. I'm going to fill time. I'm not going to take a breath. I'm not going to ask what you're interested in. And... I believe, this is his thoughts, and I'm just putting them in his head right now. I believe, Paul, that you will be interested in everything I have to say. And that this is how we have a conversation. Because if you are interested in what I have to say, that's a conversation. Conversation is a two-way street. We all know this. And it's important that we can connect and relate to each other. Because that's what makes a relationship. It may not turn into a relationship, but if we don't know each other well, I want to build rapport. I want you to ask me questions and I'll ask you questions. If I want you to share something, I'm going to ask you to share that. Or if it turns into that because now we have rapport, then your stories are interesting. I think rapport is one of the most important aspects. Rapport is a building process. It is, I'm getting to know you, you're getting to know me. If you suddenly share everything as if you know me, 
and I don't know you and I don't really know what you're talking about, it could go, like I was saying, it could go sour. What's interesting is I've been doing this for nine years and a lot of people know me. <laughs> they know me very well. I'm sure someday I'll get stopped on the street and people will talk to me as if they've known me all my life. I actually, I think that's fine because I've shared it with you. And if you know me and you talk to me as if you know me all my life, you're probably going to talk to me about stuff I know, stuff I can relate to because it was my life, stuff I've shared on this show, at least, you know, that. And when you talk to me and you share all this stuff about me or you share stuff that you did because you heard something on my show or the way you think is differently or you changed something in your life because of something that you heard that's fascinating to me. I love that kind of stuff. So when that hits me, when, I mean, people write to me and they talk about this kind of stuff. So I get this already. I haven't had it in person quite. Well, I actually have had it a couple times, but when people share the stuff that they've been through and the accomplishments they've had, or maybe they tried something and it didn't work, they share these things with me. Then I hear about uh, the stuff I've talked about, the content I put out there, and um, it becomes interactive. It, it's interactive because I can relate and they can relate to me and it works. It's when it's not interactive that it doesn't work. It's when it's not a um, foundation, when it doesn't have a foundation of rapport that it doesn't work. There are all kinds of techniques to develop rapport, but my favorite is authenticity. My favorite is just showing up authentically. Somebody comes up and says, hey, you enjoying the music? I might say, eh, <laughs> I've heard great music and I've heard good music. This is okay. I like it. Hope that Hopefully they don't turn out to be in the band. But <laughs> I think it can be um, a more rapport building when you are authentic. Because they might say, oh, really? You don't like it? I love it. And then I'll say, really? You love it? Really? Tell me what you love. That might be something to talk about. Why do you love it? And maybe there's uh, interaction there. Maybe we can connect. Even if we disagree, maybe we can connect. And so there's all kinds of ways to do it. That's one way. But I do appreciate the way of building rapport in an authentic manner. This is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. And let's talk about that. And sometimes you meet someone, they're not your type, you know, whether it's romantic or friends. They're just not on the same wavelength as you. They don't believe the same things. And um, again, you can agree to disagree, but sometimes it just doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> and so you just want to end the conversation. And this is the tough part. Like I was in this conversation with this person and I realized that there was no getting out because as soon as he finished one story, it went into another story. Oh, that reminds me of this time when I was in <laughs> and they start another story. And that story now is going to last a long time. And then they're going to get into another story because they really need to hear themselves talk or whatever, you know, not putting them down. <laughs> they just want to tell their story, which is great. It's great. No problem at all. But without rapport, it becomes an issue because now you have somebody that uh, is waiting for it to end. And if you're the storyteller, 
this is what happens. You might become so self-absorbed that you've lost your ability to watch their body language and hear the inflection in their voice and watch their eyes. Where are they looking? Are they looking at you? Are they interested in what you have to say? Because it's all in the body language. I can tell almost immediately when someone really doesn't want to listen to what I have to say. I tell my girlfriend sometimes because she'll talk usually more than I do. She talks more than I do. And when we're with friends and she is going on about something or she, uh, her ADD kicks in and uh, she goes off into another subject and she didn't finish the first part of her comment, uh, I will maybe give her a look or a nudge and it becomes a read the room scenario. Honey, read the room. They're not interested anymore. They've, they've moved on from that subject. We, we got to move on from that subject ourselves. And uh, she'll get it. She understands that. And she wants me to tell her that. She's actually thanked me later. Thank you for telling me that because I was just talking and talking and I couldn't get off that talking wagon. <laughs> I was just on this talking wagon. I didn't know how to stop. And uh, she just didn't have an exit. That was it. She didn't have an exit plan. And so I sometimes help. Like we had friends over once and we were playing this interactive game on the TV and our mobile phones and things like that. And we played one round and it took a while and everyone was kind of having a good time, but it wasn't great. And then she, my girlfriend says, let's have another round. And boy, I felt the energy just drop. But my girlfriend was thinking, this is exciting. Let's do it again. And I said, honey, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, let's just, let's just stop it here. And I don't think everyone's excited about having another round of this. Nobody said anything because I think they were in agreement with me. <laughs> I think they were ready to stop and it was perfectly fine that I stopped it. And she said, oh, okay, no problem. And that's when we had the conversation about reading the room. And she said, oh, I, I thought it was fun. I said, yeah, I read the room. She goes, I, I wasn't even looking. I wasn't even paying attention. I said, yeah, they weren't excited about it. I mean, you could tell. You could tell when somebody says, oh yeah, let's play that again. That's different. Let's play that again. But not anyone's interested, and especially because they weren't even saying anything. They weren't talking. That was another little sign. So that was one of those moments, and that happens in conversation with my girlfriend and I and other friends. I will have to remind her there are things going on, body language, people's inflections, how they talk, and um, how much interest they show. Are they asking questions? Are they leaning forward? Are they um, really focused on what you're saying and want to hear the next thing? Or are they checking their watch, their phone? Are they looking around? Because some people will uh, do everything else but pay full attention to you. Now, they don't have to. I mean, I listen to my girlfriend sometimes and I'm not even looking at her, but I am paying attention. But this is something somebody I know for many, many years and we can talk like that, but it's hard. You can't tell what other people are doing and it's usually a vibe or an energy. So anyway, I could go on and on about that, but I wanted to share some of this stuff about how a conversation or a person can become boring, how I could become boring, how you could become boring in a conversation. It's because, you know, all the stuff I talked about, one of them is the self-absorbed um, storytelling. One of them is not being observant about what other people are doing their body language, your observation skills are important. And it's very, very hard to be observant when you are talking. I mean, I, I give you this. It, it is difficult 
to observe others while you're talking, unless you're practiced. If you are a practiced or a trained speaker, if you are a leader or a manager or a boss, I mean, not all of them do this, that's true. Uh, if you have a lot of practice in leadership, any type of leadership or speaking, or, you know, you may have learned this because you're a people pleaser, even. A lot of people pleasers watch body language. They hear inflection. They observe people a lot closer than other people. So that's a superpower. <laughs> there are people pleasers out there that have this superpower and you can use it to your advantage. You know, you don't want to hold on to the people pleasing dysfunction. You just want to utilize parts of it. And I think one of those parts can be observing others. And when you observe others while you're having a conversation with them, you can tell if they're interested or not. And then you can just go by what you observe. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing. It just helps to observe and understand that maybe you're losing rapport. Maybe you're not interacting enough. So you can see how this could absolutely lead to a, a stale conversation. And when it's stale, you're not going to get much connection. This is what happens in relationships, right? You can develop a relationship with somebody and have a great connection. And then after a few years, especially romantic relationships, after a few years, the conversation can get stale because you know everything. <laughs> you know everything about your partner. What's more to know? What else is there to know? I don't know. You could ask, what's their favorite shampoo? I don't know what my girlfriend's favorite shampoo is. I think it has the word Hawaiian on it. <laughs> but are we going to talk about that? Probably not. We're not going to ask, what's your favorite color? We're probably not going to talk about that at this point in our... Actually, we did. We did talk about that, but it came up one day. But it, for the most part, that the little stuff, the little stuff isn't going to come up. So in a romantic relationship, and I think I, I'll conclude this episode with... Uh, this idea of being in a romantic relationship or any type of deeper connection or even a family, someone you've known a long time, I think it's important to remember that rapport building is still important. If somebody you care about wakes up and they have a headache, do you say, well, uh, you know, you always have a headache, good luck. Or do you say, whoa, what can I do? Do you ask that question, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do? Can I get you a heating pad? Can I get you some water? Can I get you some aspirin? That is keeping the connection open. That is letting the other person know you still care. Even after all these years, you still care. You want them to be well. And you just show kindness. I, I look at it as being kind and respectful. So even if you have nothing to talk about, kindness and respect Go, go the distance. They are the two things, the two components of communication and relationships that continue to allow it to thrive and grow and stay strong or grow stronger. And so that can be helpful as well. I'm not talking about um, acquaintances, strangers, or even friends, or even people that you find boring that, um, hey, they're kind and respectful, sure. But uh, I wouldn't want to spend a couple hours with them. <laughs> They can be kind and respectful to other people, but uh, they don't interact with me. The interaction is still important. Keeping the rapport is still important. There's a lot of things that can break rapport. A lot of things. 
And so we just have to keep that in mind that if rapport goes away, other uh, issues can develop in a relationship. What's a break in rapport? You know, somebody does something that the other person doesn't like. One partner in a romantic relationship does something that the other partner doesn't like. So now you have a break in rapport because they didn't talk about it or they did and they didn't reach an agreement on it and there's still anger about it. So partner A is doing this thing that partner B doesn't like. And so now partner B has anger about it or is upset in some way. And partner A, if they don't say, I'm sorry, can we reach a compromise or can we talk about this? But instead says, well, that's too bad. You're just going to have to get used to it. That's not rapport. I think we forget about rapport as the relationship gets um, longer and longer. As it goes into the next year, into the next year. Well, you know, they know me well enough. This is just who I am. Where's the rapport? Where's the, um, I, I remember this a long time ago when I had a person on my show when I used to do interviews, she said, uh, men forget that women still like to be pursued. <laughs> I mean, this is in a heterosexual relationship where she was telling me that a man pursuing a woman, and this can work for anyone, I think, the, the pursuit, it starts to disappear after the honeymoon period, meaning uh, it was wonderful the first few months of dating, but then uh, it got, you know, things settled down. And it got normal, quote, normal. Things settled, it got normal, and now there's no more pursuit. Instead of saying, wow, you look amazing, that looks great, or you did a great job, uh, it becomes, thanks. <laughs> that was nice. It wasn't, um, I mean, you don't have to fake it. But it's a matter of, again, showing interest, letting them know that they're important, letting them know that they're valid, that they are significant, that they are worthy in your life. You know, that's really matters to me. Somebody says, you know, you have changed my life. You are such an important component of my life. I mean, they don't have to say that. But if my girlfriend says that, you know, I mean, she does. She says things like that. She never said that. She'd say, I was worthy. <laughs> she said, you have changed my life. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm happier than I've ever been. And not because I'm this amazing teacher or coach or anything like that. It's because I showed her kindness. I showed her compassion. I showed her respect. And I treat her like an individual. And I treat her as somebody that I'm very interested in and very uh, concerned about when she's not feeling well. And I just show her that she matters. And that's probably the most important belief you can instill in someone, that they matter that they are important in your life and that they are worthy of love and attention and you're going to show that to them. You are worthy of this. You may not show that to a stranger or a friend, but you know, friends are worthy. They're important. We thank them. We give them our hugs and our handshakes and our gifts and even our praise. And we got to remember that even uh, the people that are closer to us they are also our friends too, hopefully. Hopefully they're your friends as well. Not only family or lover or wife or husband or partner. They are friends. And when you start treating them as a friend and then share the extra special component that you have with each other, 
whether it's romantic, whether it's a, a close friendship, whether it's close family, those are special components that are addendums or even expansions of the friendship. Those are wonderful, special components that I believe don't exist without friendship. I think friendship is a foundation of what we bring to a relationship. It has to be in that foundation. And so this is why sometimes, like uh, uh, my other podcast, Love and Abuse, the idea that somebody can be abusive towards someone they love tells me that they have stopped treating them like a friend. Our friends are wonderful people that we want to keep in our lives. And so when we have somebody that's more intimate, more connected, close lover, friend, family, whatever, when we have somebody who's closer than just a friend or even a best friend, wouldn't we treat them more special? Wouldn't we treat them with more love and kindness and affection and respect? And wouldn't we make them feel on top of the world? That's what I like. That's what works for me. I think when you have two people in a relationship and they both make each other feel on top of the world, then it creates such a strong bond. That's how I look at relationships is that I am supporting your path to happiness. I am supporting your decisions, the decisions that you want to make for yourself. And when the other person does that for me, we have a strong relationship. I support what you want to do in your life as an independent person that is on this earth, just like I am experiencing life like I am in my own way, just like you're experiencing it in your own way and reacting to it and responding to it in your own way. And I'm here if you need me. I'm here because I love you and I support what you feel like you need to do. Even when I disagree. Even when I disagree with what you're doing for yourself, I want you to be happy. That's all I want for you. And when they feel the same way about you, that is magic. That is special. And when the other person doesn't feel that way about you and doesn't support you as a fully independent person that makes decisions, when you don't get that kind of support, when you don't have somebody love you for who you are and what you do, and they want to they want you to show up the way they want you to show up when you don't get that kind of support you're not in a balanced situation you're not in a balanced relationship and that's when you can't relate so if you think i'm doing all this stuff you know i do this stuff for this other person in my life yet i'm not getting that back so paul you can tell me all day long to do that stuff but it's not working it only works if two people do it the two people or more in a relationship any relationship if they are not supporting each other, supporting each other's path to happiness, supporting each other's decisions, even if you disagree with those decisions, supporting each other, even if they want to go off on their own and not be with you, then it doesn't work because people want to be with people that support them. And they have a very hard time being with people or wanting to be with people who don't support them. That's my bottom line. And so let me bring it back to just closing out on what I started to talk about, which was uh, what boring conversations? <laughs> Hopefully this wasn't boring. Hopefully you got something from me just talking and not taking a breath, just continuing to share what I believe to be true, a philosophy that I follow, or at least try to follow uh, observations I make, 
trying not to be self-absorbed when I'm the only one talking in my home office right now behind a microphone, <laughs> trying to connect with you, knowing that you really can't, well, you can, you can talk back to me, but I'm not going to hear you. But I hope that we are interacting in some way when I say something you're thinking. And maybe you're going to say something back to me and maybe I'll cover that just by, I don't know, universal consciousness. <laughs> it's something. I'll figure it out some other way. But hopefully we've connected in some small way and uh, I've touched your life in some small way. I, I hope that's true in a good way. If it was in a bad way, I hope uh, something good comes from it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me today. When we come back, I'll share my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our patrons of the week, Andy, Leela, Christy, Anna, Vanessa, Adriana. I appreciate all of you. These are the financial backers of the show. They give monthly because they can, and I am very grateful to you. Thank you so much. It really helps um, everything that you hear today, everything that you hear every day that you listen to the show and I read new names every week, those who give monthly on the Patreon program or those who donate. I appreciate all of you. And if you value the show like these patrons do, I'm going to give you a place to go to help out if you want. It's moretob.com. That's where you can give back if you are in that position to do so. Thank you again, patrons. And if you are a uh, in a difficult relationship, almost forgot what I was going to say. Visit loveandabuse.com. That is my other podcast. I deal with controlling and manipulative and emotionally abusive people, relationships, situations, everything that uh, is more difficult than it should be. And um, healthy relationships aren't that difficult. There are problems, there are challenges, but you should be able to resolve those challenges, be able to work through them with each other. But uh, if it feels one-sided or everything is like um, on one person's plate, it might be something that you need to work on and maybe there are issues you need to look at. So I talk about all that stuff over at loveandabuse.com, my other podcast over there. And I also have that program that you heard at the very beginning of the show called Healed Being. It's been helping many, many, many hundreds of people. I'm so glad that uh, our, a lot of people in the support groups talking to each other and getting support that I think is really important when you're not sure what you're doing wrong. I mean, a lot of people, they don't know what they're doing that's hurtful to the other person. Yes, it's, it's true. I was this way too. I know exactly what they're going through. They don't know what they're doing is hurtful and some people need guidance. And I have a very comprehensive program over there, including the Facebook support group where you can post anonymously. And I have a, also a discussion forum and things like that. So there are places that you can post what's going on and get, your, get some interaction there. Talk about interacting with each other. You can check out the Healed Being program over at healedbeing.com if you're an emotionally abusive person that wants to change or you know someone that uh, really needs this program and are looking for help. I don't recommend you actually share this with somebody who's not seeking help. You know, If they don't really feel like they need to change, 
they're not ready for it. They don't want it. They're not ready for it. They're going to ignore it and they're going to, they're going to resist it. I would only recommend sharing Healed Being or even the Love and Abuse podcast. If you feel like you need to share the Love and Abuse podcast with somebody because they need it, just be very careful because if they're not looking to change because they don't think anything's wrong with them, they're going to resist it and maybe permanently. They'll just resist it permanently. So it's just a good idea to remember that some people will not accept that kind of share. They won't accept it because they're not either they're not ready for it they don't believe it they don't believe they have a problem or something else if they're not ready for it if they're not asking for it then it might not be a good idea to share it i actually have an episode on love and abuse that's called um should you share this stuff you know all the stuff you're learning with other people or with the emotionally abusive person you can look for that episode over at loveandabuse.com if you're interested in that question if you should do it anyway those are the two resources other than the overwhelmed brain that I offer you. And they are, they've been very helpful for a lot of people. Finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. A couple more things. I just want to read one message. Somebody sent me. She said, I'm the one you wrote about. Uh, it was a, the episode called Where's My Thank You When You Don't Get Acknowledgement for Your Kindness. She said, I woke up at 3 a.m., and I couldn't sleep. I randomly picked up your podcast or listened to your podcast and your voice hit me like a lightning bolt. You were reading my letter word for word and replying to my dilemma in real time. <laughs> you shared many angles and views to consider. You gave me a wider window to work with uh, and uh, I'm inserting your advice into my life. And she went on and on and I am so grateful for your words. She said, I prayed a huge thank you that night at 3 a.m., my soul sent out the truest message. You are amazing and so appreciated. Sincerely. And she signed her name and she didn't give me permission to use it. But I am so grateful that you wrote this and shared this. You know, it's funny. This happened just last night. Thank you again for sharing this because you said you prayed a huge thank you. I think I heard it because I was up. <laughs> I was up at 3 a.m. I overdosed on caffeine and chocolate yesterday. I'm not a huge chocolate fan. I love chocolate, but at night it was, um, we were at a restaurant and my girlfriend said, let's get the Oreo cheesecake. <laughs> and I said, uh, I don't want dessert, but when it came, of course I ended up eating half of it. And so uh, along with a day of like five glasses of tea, chocolate cheesecake or Oreo chocolate, whatever, um, I woke up, I think I fell asleep that night, but then I woke up last night, I, I fell asleep and then I woke up at around 2, 2.30 and I was up for a couple hours. And so I was awake. I was there. I think I heard your thank you. So thank you for sharing this message with me and I appreciate it. And uh, just a quick tip here. If you can't sleep, just get up and do something. I mean, if you can. I mean, this is not professional advice. Just uh, this is me telling you as a friend in a coffee shop and we're just hanging out and you told me, I just can't sleep. Get up and do something. Read, play a game, do something other than laying there, being anxious about not being able to sleep or just laying there bored or you're just waiting to sleep. I mean, I've done that so many nights of my life. I used to just wait to sleep and Sometimes 4 or 5 a.m. would finally show up. And then I got tired. Now I'm getting tired, really? And so I've learned that if I can't sleep, I'm going to get up. 
I'm going to go do something. I'm going to work on something and I'll play a game, whatever. I'm just going to read. I don't care what it is, but I'm not going to lay here bored. So I know people are saying, don't you meditate? Yes, <laughs> I, I meditate too. And I'll sit there meditating for hours and I still need my sleep. So I've learned to do all of the above. I've learned that if I can't sleep, I'll meditate. If I meditate and it's still not helping, I'll get up and I'll do all those things. And um, then I just wait till I get sleepy. So yeah, sometimes I'll lose sleep. You're right. Sometimes I'll lose a few hours of sleep and I still have to work the next day. I still have to do my show. I still have to write emails. You know, I work from home, so I'm very fortunate, very grateful. I don't have to get up and commute like a lot of people do. I'm sorry, but I'm hoping that I'm here on your commute. <laughs> We're talking now, but this is what happens is that sometimes you can't sleep. So what do you do? Well, I could tell you don't drink caffeine. You know, stop enjoying some of the finer points of life. Stop enjoying what you like. Don't eat chocolate. I could say that, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I've just learned that sometimes if I overdo it, I'm going to be awake. Fortunately, I don't have all the thoughts racing through my head and anxiety that some people experience. But I think, you know, you listen to a show like this. Some people say they fall asleep to it. Some people like my low voice. <laughs> I'm doing this on purpose. I'm not trying to be weird. Uh, some people just enjoy falling asleep, allowing themselves to fall asleep. Yes, I used to be a hypnotist. <laughs> I used to do stuff like that. And it is helpful. It can be very helpful. Uh, I do. I think I'm going to say this on the air. I, I'm probably going to make an episode on um, just me talking slowly and helping you fall asleep. I think I'm going to make that episode. I don't know when. I don't know uh, when that's going to happen. But it'll be like a commercial-free, maybe music-free episode. Or if there is music, it'll be very light. It'll be very sleepy-type music. Because if you do want to use my voice to fall asleep, I mean, if that's your thing, then I want to help you do that in an easier way. As I had somebody write to me once and they said, you know, your music at the end always wakes me up as I'm falling asleep. <laughs> so could you turn it down? <laughs> and so I did realize that it was loud. Like the music was louder than the episode itself. So I, I have adjusted the volume. You probably didn't notice, but it was years ago. I adjusted the volume so it doesn't blast your ears as you're falling asleep if you have your earphones on. And um, I think that has helped. So you're going to get an episode from me. I'm just kind of making that commitment on the air right now. I better follow through. You're going to get a, an episode for me um, that is nothing, uh, I don't want to say nothing special, but it won't be like content rich. It might just be me talking. And I'm only doing that because people, they say, they've written to me and say, I use your show to fall asleep. Now that might mean they're bored. <laughs> come right back to the very beginning of this episode that might mean that they're listening to me and they're bored but here's the good news about that is if you're bored while you're listening to me you're allowed to fall asleep you're allowed i can't fall asleep when i'm at some restaurant listening to some someone talk to me or some event and listening to someone talk to me and i'm bored that would be pretty obvious i just fall asleep 
They might be truly authentic. Maybe I should try that. Oh. <laughs> I just fall asleep. And I'm just, huh? What? Did you, did you say something? Uh, oh, I don't know. I was listening. I was listening. I, I swear. Boy, I'm really tired. And I swear it's, it's, it's not you. <laughs> I won't do that. I promise. But um, in a way, I'm giving you some idea of what maybe the the sleep the sleepy overwhelmed brain episode might sound like and i i do hope if you're driving right now that you're not like taking these little subconscious cues <laughs> i want you to stay awake while you're driving stay awake while you're operating heavy machinery stay awake doing what you're doing doing the laundry taking care of the kids taking care of work in the office on a roof doing roof stuff <laughs> in a house doing house stuff on the road doing road stuff, whatever you're doing, just uh, stay awake if you're doing it. And if you're in bed or you're trying to fall asleep, then you know sometimes I get tired too. I know I, I'm I'm there. I'm there with you. It'd be nice to have a good night's sleep. Maybe that'll be tonight. Maybe you're just waking up and listening to this saying, "Paul, stop it! <laughs> I'm trying to stay awake. I'm trying to go to work now. I'm trying to get my day started." So I'm going to bring you out of it and just kind of leave you in a middle-of-the-road place. That middle-of-the-road place that I always end with, and I hope it's an inspiring middle-of-the-road place because it is a place of open-mindedness. I want you to keep an open mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.